Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, find us on the web at revivallifechurch.org. Tell the person next to you, man, you are spiritually intelligent. You picked the right church today. You must work, you must walk in great discernment. Grab somebody's hand, let's pray. Father, we just thank you today. We thank you today, Lord. We ask that you would come in power. Ah, ah. We come with open hearts and open ears to hear what you're speaking, Lord. We just uh, we thank you that you're good and that you love us. And we just pray that you would really help this person next to us because they're the one who really needs it, Lord. They really need to hear what you're going to speak today. Yes, let them, let them pray. Father, all the rebellion leaves them, Lord, just that you would help them. That person who needs to hear it. In Jesus' name and us, amen, amen. Yeah, give a clap offering to God. How about the worship this morning? That was good, right? We're going to record our, uh, our second worship album in, uh, sometime in October. Did you hear me? That was good news, right? We have more than enough uh, songs. I think, was it the second song we did you wrote, Corey, today? The third song, third song, third song. We just did it. was a new one uh, that got written in-house. Uh, I have a testimony I want to share. Uh, and I went to the great uh, locator of testimonies, Instagram. That's where I get all our miracle testimonies in this church. I go to Instagram. And uh, uh, I guess they were doing the, our homeless ministry. We, uh, we, we, um, <clears throat> I, I, I'm thankful for everybody who blesses uh, people who are hungry. Amen? I don't care why they're hungry. I don't care whose fault it is. I believe Jesus is behind us helping them. I just really believe that. Uh, but I also like when people give of um, the, 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 the truth and spirit, right? And so we like to feed people and heal them uh, and get them saved. Like, we just like to do all of it. So here's, here's a neat testimony. Um, I think it was Duke was there and Miriam and Jackson uh, happened to be down. You know, her, her boyfriend lives in, uh, in uh, Gainesville. And he comes down for the weekend to visit, and they go out and minister to our homeless people. That's pretty nice. <clears throat> That's probably what you do on the weekends, right? So check this out. So um, this guy, um, this, this man, he didn't have cartilage in his right knee and was missing most of it in his left. He had even had knee surgery and walked slowly with a cane. He told us his pain level was a 10 out of 10. After praying, he said one of his knees was a 5 out of 10. Now, if my pain level is 10 out of 10, 5 out of 10, I'm, I'm, I'm having a good day now, right? Like, you ever have like a pain so bad you like want to put a knife in your temple? Anybody know what I'm talking about? For that to stop is a good day, right? Like 5 out of 10, I'm good. I don't want to test the Lord. That's good enough, right? He says, but the other one was still the same. And so uh, they thanked the Lord for the healing, but they prayed again because you can pray twice, right? He's not going to be tired, right? After they prayed again, the man said he felt nothing at all. He wasn't feeling anything, right? Which is good, right? Uh, but he thought it would be painful when he walked. Uh, and so he started walking and was so surprised, he asked us, how long will this last? <laughs> the pain was completely gone. He said, I didn't know pain worked like that. And as a little addendum... And he gave his life to Christ. Hallelujah. Bless that man, Lord, whoever he is. I see his picture. Bless him real good. That's a good word. How long does it last? Um, I checked in the Bible. 
ever and ever. Amen. Whatever amen is, whatever year that is, forever and ever. Amen. Whatever the amen is, that's how long it lasts. That's a good word, right? Amen. Does anybody need healing in their knees? If you need healing in your knees, why don't you go ahead and stand up? We're just going to pray real quick. And I need the prayer team to put a hand on their shoulder. Prayer team, is anybody standing, sitting near them? God knew where you would be sitting today. You can pray too, honey. Go ahead. <clears throat> so just begin to pray. Let me give you a testimony. I was at a meeting, um, gosh, what was it, five years ago. And uh, start praying. I was at a meeting five years ago. And uh, the guy said he was going to pray for people who had knee problems who were missing cartilage in their knee, right? And uh, I had knee problems, but I didn't know what it was. I was never diagnosed, so I didn't stand up for the prayer. And um, my, my knees would hurt so bad. I had such bad knees. Um, uh, I used to have to, after I preach, I would go home and ice them, right? Because they were in so much pain. And uh, as he was praying, I felt this, this wave of cold come across my knees. And I stood up and I was instantly healed. They've been healed ever since. It's been five years now. Five, five years at least. That's good. No, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, we can thank him in the middle of the service. It's okay. We can be loud in the middle of the service. It's quite all right. We can, we can give him thanks. And so uh, I see that he heals knees. So we just say right now, in the name of Jesus, we command the knees to be healed. We command migraines to go in the name of Jesus. We command migraines to go in the name of Jesus. Literally, the Lord lifts it off your head right now in the name of Jesus. Tell, now, interview them. Tell them to check their knee. Tell, ask them what's happening. Ask them, do they feel anything happening? Do they feel heat, cool, any tingling, anything happening? Begin to ask them. Interview real quick. Interview real quick. Anybody with the headaches, you may feel the headache going away. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Ask them, interview, and see if we need to pray again. Ask them what's happening. Ask them, is it a little better, a lot better, 100% better, 50% better, 80% better? If somebody has a left ear problem, it's a, um, there's pain in your left ear. I believe the Lord is beginning to heal you right now. There's pain in the left ear. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And uh, right ankle. I'm just coming down with all kinds of stuff here. Right ankle. You got a right ankle problem, you can stand up, have somebody pray for you. Check the knees. How are we feeling? Just wave an arm if you've gotten better through the pit. We've got one here. Any other two? We've got two. Anybody in the back? Three. Amen. Come on. Amen. Amen. Don't, no, don't get too excited. Just three people healed. Amen. I see you, buddy. Amen. 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 Well, I believe the Lord is going to continue to heal as we go. That wasn't planned, at least not planned by us. I found Holy Spirit doesn't clear his plans with me. Pretty good because he's a better God than I am. Amen, 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 amen. Well, hey, we're going to have healing right here at the end of service. If you didn't get your full healing yet, get the remainder right here at the end of service, amen? People right here up front, all right? Hey, uh, my message today is, uh, is hedon, hedonism, religion, and freedom. Hedonism, religion, and freedom. That's the name of our message today. You feeling encouraged? Feeling encouraged? All right, I want you to be encouraged. Hey, we're still in our Call and All Revivalist message series. And uh, last week, uh, we talked about the gospel. We've been talking about the gospel for a while. Um, the gospel, of course, is the living 
word of truth, right? And uh, the gospel is planted in us to bear fruit. We talked last week about how it's planted in us to bear fruit and that uh, it continues to grow in us and renew us, which is good. And, uh, and finally, last week, we talked about uh, that we have to look, appreciate, and understand what God is doing in our lives. We have to look at, appreciate, and understand what God is doing in our lives. Now, the gospel, uh, you know, we can, we can just say it was for when we first got saved or it's for the lost. But as we studied last week, we need to pull it out of the cupboard every now and then. Dust it off and take a look at it and how our life reflects the gospel and how the gospel impacts our life. We need to, we need to pull it, we need to look at it, we need to see what, you know, how, how is this truth? Is my life reflecting this truth? Is my life bear witness to this truth? And what, what does this have for me today? And, um, uh, you know, we, we need to have an intellectual study of what the gospel is doing for us. It can't just be all emotion, right? Christianity can't be all emotion. At the same point, Christianity can't be all intellectualism. If you're an emotional person every now and then, you need to dust out the Bible and figure out what some words mean. Amen? You need to figure out what this thing means. Uh, you know, maybe read it with a dictionary next to you. And instead of skipping words you don't understand, actually look them up. Right? There's some complicated stuff in that book. Right? Propitiation, right? That's a, that's a complicated one, right? Justification gets complicated. The atonement. These things get complicated. You might want to look them up to know what they mean because they're all pretty important, right? Now, can you be saved without understanding those words? Absolutely. You can, you can get a job without finishing school, but who wants to live that way, right? Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Hallelujah. But <clears throat> that's a word for somebody. Might want to learn how to read, right? Like it would help your life a little bit, yeah? Right? Like we got to dust off some books and read some stuff. It, it, it's helpful to grow in our understanding. At the same point, we can't be all understanding and no emotion. Right? 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 We can't be all feeling. Can't be all emotion. But you know what? God loves your emotions. You know, if God didn't want you to be emotional, He wouldn't have created them. He wouldn't have given you emotions. He, 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 he wants you to express your emotions. He likes them. Right? God even has Emotions, as, as we see all throughout Scripture, God, God, uh, God time and again, uh, in Jeremiah 32, He rejoices over people. That sounds like an emotion to me. That doesn't sound like a calculated study of what He's going to do. That's an emotion, right? In Matthew 20, we see that God is moved with compassion. That's emotionalism, right? In Exodus 22, He talks about how His anger will be kindled. Anger is an emotion. Unfortunately, many Christians, that's the only real emotion they show. Psalm 37. Psalm 30, the Psalms are funny because the Psalms, time and again, God laughs himself silly. He laughs himself. You, you know, the, um, you know the, 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 the psalm where he says, um, why do the nations rage and plot a vain thing? Right? Then, then the Bible says, it, literally, if you look at the Greek, he laughs himself off his throne. What he's saying is, oh, look at these people. They think they're in charge of something. <laughs> and he laughs himself off his throne. He laughs himself silly at the futility of us thinking that we could be in charge of something. That's pretty funny, right? I mean, it's deep, but still pretty funny. And the fact that God is laughing at, like, I just, I see this picture of humans, like, you ever study an ant pile? 
You ever, like, I'm a dude, I, I'm, when I was a boy, you would study ants, right? I'm, okay, maybe earlier this week, right? Like, why well, I you, you look at them, and they're, they're building these little colonies, and you look at it, and you're like, oh, man, look at them working so hard. And you're like, I could just step on this entire thing, and it'd be gone. You know, like, you know, like they really think they're building something here. I could just turn on the hose, and, the, and I could flood their world, right? <laughs> like, I am the master, I am the captain now, right? Like, I am the master of this universe, Right? Like they think they're building something. Like that's God looking at us. Like, oh, you're trying to hold your life together. That's so cute. That's so cute. Look at you trying to run other people's lives. That's so funny. (laughs) You can't control anything. You're a hot mess and everybody sees it, right? Right? Like, right? Right? And so if we look in the scripture, we see, you know, God gets jealous. We see him, he gets grieved, right? We even see that God... Uh, expresses hatred, and God expresses joy. So, like, if you're a crier, don't, don't, don't repent. You know, criers, oh, I'm sorry, I'm crying. Why? Like, if you're a crier, cry, right? Don't be embarrassed. That's how God made you. He made you with a soft heart, and you cry. And, and if, you're, if, you're, if you're a laugher, go ahead and laugh. Just be, be happy. Be joyful, right? If you're a complainer, repent, because nobody wants to hear it, right? It's sin, and just stop complaining, Sin just, I mean, this complaining just breeds more complaining in you. Like, you just find more things to complain. I never run out of things to complain about. I don't know about you. You will never run out unless you just stop looking for them. That's a good word right there. So stop looking for things to complain about and uh, treat it, you know, like it's sin, right? But if you're, God likes your emotions. Be emotional. He loves when you're emotional in worship, right? So your emotions, he loves them when they're directed in line with his heart. He loves that. I mean, if someone, like, if, like we are, um, oh, God, run out of time. i got to do this quickly. Uh, you know, we're, 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 the news has hardened our hearts to grief, right? Imagine if you lived in a little village and, and there was no news, and you only know the people that you know, and you found out that 17 people were murdered. You would be destroyed. But now, oh, 17? Is it going to affect my life in any way? Were there any Americans? No? Okay, well, then. Right? That's the only way it gets in the newspaper in the front of it. You know, oh, is it, is it us? No? Oh, just, just those people. Right? Just brown people. Right? Just brown people. Right? It's not like they're real people. Right? Like, come on, am I touching something or what? Come on. Hello. But um, I digress. Let me say this, and this has nothing to do with anything. Um, uh, <clears throat> let me say this. Hear me. Hear me. I say this in all seriousness. If you look in the mirror, right, and you see someone who doesn't look like me, right, if you look in the mirror and you don't see me, right, some, a, a guy, in his, a white guy in his 40s, and, uh, and you call me your pastor, I consider it a great honor. I really, really do. I know what it's like to um, be the minority in a, in a majority group. I know what it's like to have to not have, to, to, to just to, that, the fact that you would call me your pastor and you don't look like me, I just find that an amazing honor. I don't take that lightly, and my wife and I uh, just bless you all for being a part of what we're doing. Amen? Does that make sense? Can I just say that? Thank you. Amen, amen, amen. <clears throat> if you've got a Bible, go ahead and turn to Galatians chapter 5. I'm going to crack open the word here for a moment, and I'll have you done. Don't look at that clock back there because it's a liar. That thing is a liar, and there's no truth in it. Amen. Galatians chapter 5 in verse 1. <clears throat> Paul is writing this, this church to the church in Galatia, in, in Galatia, and he says, 
It was for freedom that Christ has set you free. Why did he set you free? For what? It was for... Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like y'all are going to catch on. It was for... Freedom. All right, one more time. It was for... Freedom. That Christ has set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm. Do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Listen, leave that up for a second if you would. Uh, it's, it's amazing. The first part is amazing. But the second part is what I want to hit here real quick. Uh, number one, if you're not in Christ, you don't even know that something is controlling your life. Because you will worship something. Everyone will worship something, even if they don't do it on purpose. By default, you will. And uh, the second thing I want to show you here is people say, can a Christian have a demon? Can a Christian have bondage? Well, the scripture right there says you can be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be anybody's slave. I really, really, really don't. The only one I want to be a slave of is Christ because he is a benevolent dictator. Amen? And that is the kind of government I am into, a benevolent dictator. He is a very good God. I've given him my life, and he is shown to be trustworthy with my life, and I'm very thankful. But Paul says, listen, just by, by being dumb, you can go into a yoke of slavery again, even after you met Jesus Christ. Now, this is written, of course, to the church in Galatia in what is now modern-day Turkey is where is where that church was, and we've talked about that area a lot, but um, he's talking to people who got off base with their faith. Uh, they kind of just they got off a little bit. They, 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 they started right, but they're, they're, they're getting off base. It caused them to think uh, that through like human reasoning, they can improve upon what God has done. Like, I can improve upon God's work based on what I can come up with on my own, and that sounds really silly, but it's so easy to fall into because we start off following Jesus Christ. We, we start off understanding that God is God and I'm not, right? And that he's worthy of being followed. And once we receive his, his son as our savior, uh, we start thinking, I want to start doing this thing right, right? I want to do this thing right. I want to be a good follower. I want to be a good son of God. I want to be a good brother. I want to be a good neighbor, right? Like he told me to. And so we start doing these things and, and, and instead of our faith being on that Jesus Christ died on a cross for our sins, it starts being about how we do this thing right. All of a sudden, it turns into us doing this thing right. And instead of our standing being based on our faith in God, it becomes in what we can actually do without God. And it's an easy trap to fall into. Galatians 3, let's look at this one in verse 1. Galatians 3, 1, he says, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed? Leave that there for a second. Who has, you? okay, so here's, a, here's an interesting thing in the scripture right here. I don't have a lot of time to get into. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Now that word bewitched there, if you study it in Greek, well, bewitched obviously means like to put a spell over you, right? Who put a spell over you so that you can't see clearly anymore. But really, if you look at it, it literally means who gouged out your eyes. Who gouged out your eyes? And look at, look at the juxtaposition that Paul does here because he's a brilliant writer and Holy Spirit was helping him. Before whose eyes Jesus Christ... So he talks about the eyes, he doubles it here, right? Who, who has gouged out the eyes that publicly saw Jesus Christ portrayed, portrayed as crucified? Like, you once could see that he was a savior, but now because you rely on yourself, you don't see it anymore. That's literally what he's saying. You can't see that he publicly died for you based on what you think you can do on your own. It keeps you from even seeing what he did. Right? Verse 2, this is the only thing I want to find out from you. 
Did you receive Holy Spirit by the works of the law, keeping the rules, your moralism, or by hearing with faith? Or are you so foolish? Did you start with the Spirit of God and now being perfected or doing things right by the flesh? Right? And so Paul is like, hey, we got to get this thing right here. Like, 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 okay, the gospel is how I got saved, that God loved the world, that he gave his son, whoever should believe in him should have everlasting life, right? He gave Jesus Christ as a sacrifice for our sins. But now, now what's going to keep me is obedience. Now what God is looking for is not faith anymore in Jesus, but obedience. Ah, Jesus, we basically say, I got it from here. Thanks for saving me. I'm now in the kingdom. I got it from here. I, I got it. I, don't, don't worry yourself with me because I got it. Right? And uh, when we say it that way, it, it, it's, it sounds pretty stupid, right? It sounds pretty stupid. And, and what you hear um, people portray as wisdom is equally foolish. What they say is you need to have balance in your life, right? Not too much legalism, not too much sin. You need balance. That's what they say. As if um, there's like the legalists on one side. And, and, and the pleasure seekers on the other side, and we need to not be legalists and not be pleasure seekers, but you know we need to, we need to balance it. And, and I'm here to let you know, both of those are a lie. Let me tell you this. <clears throat> they both will lead you into bondage. They both will lead you into sin, and you don't want any bit of either one of them in your life. You want to root them both out. Totally. <clears throat> okay. If you're a part of this house, you're called to be a revivalist. Period. The anointing and gifts on this house, you get them for free. Just you join this place and you'll, you'll just, you go out. I, I promise you, you sign up for the go team and you go out with them and you will pray for the sick and they will be healed. You're like, well, what, I'm, what if I'm not gifted that way? No, no, you will be gifted to go do the thing you need to do. But I'm not gifted that way no, because you haven't needed it. But when you go, Right, we we got we got lots of tradesmen in in this in this church, and uh, and if you hire someone to work on air conditioning, like, but I don't have any air conditioning tools. Don't worry, on the job site, I'll have some tools for you. You show up on God's job site, He'll have the tools that you need. Because hear me, it's not about you; it's about Jesus. And I promise you, you go out with the go team and you pray for the sick, you'll start seeing the sick get healed. It's an amazing thing when you start doing what God says. You start seeing what He says. You'll see. It's just an amazing thing that His word still stands true. And so. <clears throat> This, 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 this anointing will be on your life. Now, say you're called to, to write songs. We've written songs since, the, since we, before we even launched as a church. We're, well, I mean, we have enough songs now for three albums, right? But we're going we're gonna, we to like collect like a certain time frame and we're going to record an album. And you get on our worship team, you're going to start writing songs. That's what happens. It's, just, it's what's going to happen to you because that's what's on this house. Now, here's the problem. We can start looking at these good things happening in our life and thinking that they now justify me before God. You, you, you see how that gets tricky. No, my life's going good. Things are well. Clearly God is blessing me. And we can get fully detached from the gospel. And now we're just drifting in something that looks like Christianity, but actually is not. Right? Are, are, are you with me? We see this in churches where the pastors become philosophers instead of preachers of the gospel. And they're like, oh, we're just getting so deep. No, actually, you're unmoored. Right? Like you need to come back to shore, back to Jesus. Right? Let's look at Romans chapter 1. We've been talking about this scripture. Romans 1.17, he says, For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith 
as it's written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. Verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Now, here's something I want you to see. And, I, and if you don't get anything out of this message under this, I need you to see this. God, in these two verses, reveals both his righteousness, right? He reveals his righteousness, like through the gospel, his righteousness was shown to us that he is a he is a righteous and just God, that he's very good. He didn't leave us to our own devices. He actually is a savior. But he also shows us that his not only is his righteousness being revealed, but the wrath of God is being revealed against all unrighteousness. Literally, this is a story of God from the beginning. I lay before you life and death. Choose wisely. Right. He says that I put before you life and death. Choose life. Right? Like he says that all the time, but you can choose whatever you want. Choose life so that it may, well, may go well with you. This is what he says throughout Scripture. But here we are in the new covenant, and so many people don't want to believe this these days, but there actually is the wrath of God against all unrighteousness. Now, I'm not here to preach God's wrath. Like the, the stupidity that comes from sin preaches it for me. I don't need to point it out, right? But, but, but you, can't have, you, can't, you can't just consign it off to a different era. You can't say that, that 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 God is now dead and we have a new God. There's only one God. Amen? He's manifested in three ways. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but there's one God. And God reveals both His righteousness and His wrath against unrighteousness. And so in the midst of this, we can be tricked into thinking that I need to run from unrighteousness. I need to run from God's wrath. No, no, no. What we need to do is run toward God. And in Him is all we need. Are, are you following me? We need to run towards God because what God is looking for is faith and not faith in us, faith in him. Amen. Faith in him. Now, these two things I want to talk about today, I'm going to kind of show you the error and then I'm going to expound upon it. Right. Religion stresses truth without grace. Hedonism or pleasure seeking stresses grace without truth. Right? Jesus Christ is grace and truth. He's grace and truth. Look at this, Matthew 25, 21. Jesus is telling a story and he sums it up with, his master said to him, well done, good and faithful slave. Now, Jesus had, had uh, told somebody to take care of some things and make sure they grow. And, and, and one couple of guys did and one guy didn't. But the guy who did, he said, well done, good and faithful slave. You are faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. And here's the reward, not the things. The things are not the reward for him doing well. He's like, I can trust you with lots of stuff. You can't find your joy in that. Enter into the joy of your master. Enter into the joy of your master. Now, so many of us, we think that the real reward is more stuff. And you'll never have enough stuff. God may put you to steward more things, but we get our joy from him. Are you with me? Amen. Come on. One claps. We all clap. Come on. Come on. The real reward is the joy of the Lord. And that's what happens when we walk with God. Now, when we find ourselves in a really bad season of, of turmoil and angst, we need to start looking at where, where is the thief coming in to rob our joy? Where is he getting in our house? Right? Where, where's the open door? Now, both religion and hedonism, their goal is to rob you of your joy. That's their goal. To rob you of joy. And I'm going to show you that right now. First thing I want to show you is the bondage of religion. The bondage of religion. Are you feeling encouraged? Like, that's really encouraged, right? Let's talk about the bondage of religion. 
really encouraging right now, Pastor. Thank you so much for sharing that with me. Psalm 51, verse 6. God says, Behold, well, the Word of God says, this is the psalmist writing it, Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being, and in the hidden part you will make me know wisdom. God is looking for truth on the inside, right? And, and religion doesn't work that way, right? Religion is all about moralism. Moralists, we keep the rules that we've all agreed on. We all agree on a set of rules, and we think that if we can, whoever keeps the rules the best is the one who's the highest in God. Uh, and in the moralist, the person who believes that morals determines our justification, um, they, 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 you know who they love? They love people who agree with the same rules as them. That's who they love. If you hate what I hate and you agree with me on my rules, then I love you. Oh, you don't agree with my rules? I can't love you. You're part of the problem. You're the enemy. The people I love are the people who keep the same rules as me. And, and, and so they, they love people who love their rules and they hate people who hate their rules. Now, the way your joy is robbed through this religious thinking is you're not, you're not concerned about um, the innermost part. You're, you're worried about the rules. And so a self-hatred comes uh, because you can't actually live up to these standards. You never can. Because what the devil does is he gets you to buy into the supposition that you have to keep the rules. And he gives you about 90% of the rules that you can keep. And then he gives you about 10% you can't keep. And you're never enough. You'll never be enough. You'll never produce enough. You'll never be righteous enough. And so your joy is robbed because you can never keep the rules perfectly. The other way your joy is robbed is you get pride because you think that you've kept the rules. And it's funny, the rules that you kept are the ones that you found to be important, which were the ones that you can keep. The ones you can't keep aren't as important or you would have kept them. Isn't that funny? Isn't it funny how that works? No, it doesn't work that way, though. It doesn't work that way. Unfortunately, we don't get to make up the rules. And this pride, I mean, this, this, this is, <clears throat> if you want to understand how militant Islam works, this is what it works off of. And it's kind of a Middle Eastern thing. It's who can be the most moral? Who can be the most justified by the radical keeping of the rules? And it's this trap that the enemy plays. And here's just a faith system that plays perfectly into it. And so one guy will say, hey, I'm, I pray five times a day. I'm keeping rules the best. And one guy says, well, not only do I pray five times a day, I kill people who don't pray five times a day. Don't you see how, how much I care about the rules? Oh, you care about the rules to kill the one guy who won't pray five times a day? I care about the rules so much, I kill whole cities who won't keep the rule. Oh, you, don't, you just kill cities? I care so much about the rules, I'll kill my own family who don't keep the rule. Oh, you think that's enough? I blow up myself. You're like, okay, you got me right there. That's it, you win. You win. You keep the rules, man. You got it all, right? You see, the, you see how the devil just does this? Like, who can be the most militant about keeping the rules and be so justified by their own works? But we see Christians doing the same thing, right? Like, and I, you know, I don't want to throw stones. Like, these are the Christians that the world hates. It makes us look bad, right? Like, they're, like we, that's why we can't have nice things, right? Because you guys keep acting like this. Put away the signs, man. They're not helping. They're not helping our cause at all. If God wanted you to carry that sign, he'd have, he'd have, he'd have written it for you. He did it for Moses. Where's your faith, right? Like, if you're supposed to have some tablets to carry around, ask God to make some for you, right? 
He's not, though. He's not in it. Please stop picketing. You're not helping. Right? Like the moralist thinks, like, if they just stop doing that thing, then they would be righteous. No, they wouldn't. No, they wouldn't. There's no power in that. There, there's no power in that. There's no power in that. If they would just stop, they, if, these, if they would stop dressing like whores, then, then what? Then they'd just be sinners not dressing like whores. You think that's going to save them? It's not going to save them. Horse. Dressing like a horse. Talking about Halloween, buddy. It's coming up. This is a PG-13 service right here. <sighs> Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 And so to the moralist, the big problem with the world is they're not keeping the rules. Because they feel excited because they are. Keeping the rules that they're keeping. But there's no transforming joy in keeping the rules. Have you noticed that? There's no, at the end of the day, oh, I feel so at peace in God because I've done such an amazing job. No, you think, man, there's that one thing I didn't do. I wonder if anybody noticed. That's the moralist perspective. There's no internal power from keeping the rules. It's not because that's not how it was made. That's not how the system was set up. It's not how God wanted it. And the other bondage I want to talk about is the bondage of hedonism. Hedonism is pleasure seeking. Matthew, excuse me, Mark 12, verse 30 says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Now, how much should I love myself? How much of my mind and strength should I love myself? Well, let's look in the Scripture. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. There's so many Christians now who want to teach about identity, and it's like, how about we just teach people to stop looking at yourself? You just look at Christ and find yourself there. Oh, I gotta, they just got to know who they are. Yeah, you're saved by grace. That's who you are. Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus some more. Don't see yourself yet? Keep staring. You stare enough, you're going to see his eyes and you'll see your reflection in them. And that'll change your life, right? Knowing yourself more is not going to change you. You know you well enough already, right? Amen, amen, amen. So, all right, so, so, the, so, so, so the hedonists, they're, 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 they're a funny batch. Um, like, like, the, like the moralists are an angry batch. This is a funny batch, right? Um, because they, they, either, these are the folks who say, well, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not religious. I'm not, I'm not religious. Like, I don't need that crutch like you do. Like, we're not religious. Oh, excuse me. Right? But everybody has a God. Everybody's worshiping something. Right? And these, are, these folks are so, lo- I mean, they're just so loving and accepting. They just, they just, whatever, whatever. Oh, we just love people. We just want to love people. We just, we don't judge people. I mean, unless you're a Christian. And then you're, it's open season on judging you. If, you're, if you actually have a moral code, well, then we can judge you. Like, that's okay to judge you because you don't worship the God I worship, which is me, right? And so I judge anybody who doesn't worship the same God I worship. And so <clears throat> anybody who might tell them that they think they're wrong, of course, that's the enemy. Whereas the religious person... Uh, doesn't love anybody who doesn't love their rules. The hedonist hates anybody who might say that what you're doing might be wrong. Anybody who comes with any morality is the enemy. 
And, 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 and the hedonist says that we all need to discover what's right and wrong on our own. We all need to discover our own God. We all need to be on this own journey as if in and of yourself you could determine what truth is. As if you were inherently born with the ability to discover the entire cosmos in the end of theology from the beginning of time and all the scholars of the world and discover on your own what is the truth. Friend, it's not possible within you. And so people would say to us something like, oh, how convenient you were born into the one true truth. Actually, no, I wasn't born into it. I was born again into the one true truth. I was not born into the truth. Come on. I was not born into the truth. I was born again into the truth. And God saved me into the truth. And then I met the truth. His name is Jesus Christ. And he transformed my life. That's what happened. I'm not saying this is what I grew up with. This isn't my custom. This isn't a a legend that was passed down to me. Jesus saved me, showed himself to me, began teaching me the scriptures as I went through uh, the scriptures and, 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 and he discipled me and he told me to teach them to other people. That's why I'm here, not because I was born into it and I have more of a lineage than anybody else, but Jesus Christ actually saved me into this. And so, so, so where, 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 where the hedonists would say, you know, I believe in God, right? Like they can't really say, I believe in the man. I know the man, God, right? I've met him. Amen. Anybody else in here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They would say, you know, you know, I, 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 I believe in God. God. You know, God is a mystical God. The Spirit. I believe in the Spirit, right? I believe in the Spirit, right? But, 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 he, but he's such love, I don't think his love would ever allow him to punish sinners. He's such love. He's just so love. He would never punish sinners. He's love. How could he punish? Because that's not love. And, and unfortunately... What that says is, it says that if there is a God and, and this God accepts us, it's because he doesn't have any real beliefs of his own. He's wishy-washy. And he doesn't actually believe in anything himself, right? Because if he wouldn't punish sinners, then you know, he just accepts everybody, right? And, and he doesn't have any real beliefs. Or, 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 or the only other alternative, God doesn't really think sin is that bad. Either God doesn't really have beliefs, so why would he punish anybody who didn't keep them? Or, the only other alternative is, sin isn't really that bad. I mean, come on, we all sin. Come on, we all sin. Like, you sin, I sin, we sin. Why fight it, baby? Why fight it? Feels good, do it. Right? It can't be that bad. I mean, God knows. It's like, it's not that bad. Like, I tried. You know, and when we look at sin... Kind of like how mom wants us to put our dirty dishes in the dishwasher and we only put them in the sink. I was close, God, just didn't make it all the way. You know, and we just know that's, that's, just, that's just not the truth. They, they, they choose to believe that, that God's love didn't cost him anything. But that's not what the Bible says. God loved us so much that he gave his son that whosoever should believe in him should not die but have everlasting life. So God, God demonstrates real love because real love costs us something. If you, if you go to a, um, a, the, 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 a, a, a marriage ceremony and the husband or the wife, the groom or the bride won't change their life for the other, that's going to be a very short marriage. Love causes you to give. And if you don't give, there's no love. That's just how it works. And... and both of these, like I said before, it's not, it's not a continuum to balance our lives on between religion 
and hedonism. They're both lies, and they have one thing in common. What they have in common is Jesus is not the head of their faith. Jesus is not the head of sensuality or hedonism. Jesus is not the head of religion. He's not, he's not in the midst of the religious people pronouncing judgments on people. God pronounced a judgment, and he paid the price for it, because that's what love looks like. Are you hearing me? If you're in sin today, God is not sitting and you know, ready to kick you to the curb. He actually paid the greatest cost so that you can come into relationship with him. He paid the price because that's what love really looks like. That's what love really looks like. Hebrews 12, again, let's look at Hebrews again, 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. The encumbrance could be any false god that you have, anything that tacks onto your faith that denies Jesus Christ the head of it. Let's lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that's set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You say thank you to the Lord. You say amen. Thank you for saving me, Jesus. Come on. Come on. Come on. See, both of these angles have a distorted view of God. They both deny our sin. They deny our sin, and they lose the joy and power of God's grace. They don't need grace because they can do it on their own. Either they're, they're, they're defining what's right on their own so they don't need grace to be right, or they're judging people thinking that they're, they're keeping all the things, that they, they don't need grace to keep the rules. They already think they're keeping it. And they're robbed of the joy that comes. I've never seen a happy religious person. They're all looking mean, aren't they? They're just looking mean, angry. I don't want that kind of religion. They're angry. God's laughing himself in derision right now. Let's be happy in heaven at this moment, right? See, now following Jesus is an entirely, entirely different way of life. Are you, are, you, are you happy this morning? Are you good? Following Jesus is an entirely different way of life. We follow the truth of the gospel. And the truth of the gospel is understanding the gospel means we turn from ourselves we turn from our self-justification and we rely on God. We rely on God to make us righteous. We, we rely on God to bring us into a relationship with Him. We rely on God to give us a moral code. We don't rely on ourselves. The hedonist, see, we turn from our ways to God. Now the hedonist, he doesn't turn at all. The hedonists don't think that their behavior is really that bad. And so... There's nothing to turn from. But I'm here to let you know that there is a truth, and His name is Jesus Christ. Now, the religious people, they only repent of the sins. Come on up, Corey. But the religious people only repent. Come to Mike. They only, re, they only repent of the sins, of the things they think they didn't do right. Right? They never repent of their own self-righteousness. Christians, we repent of the stuff that we did wrong. And we repent of any idea that we could do it without God. We can't do it without God. We can't do it. Yes, let's mute those. We can't do it without God. We can't do it without His righteousness. We can't do it without what He has done for us. Galatians 5.1, let's look at it again. It was for freedom 
that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. I know there's people in here today that this is speaking to you. And I hope that you're tired of trying to do it on your own. I hope that you're tired of trying to define your own righteousness. I hope that you're tired of coming up with a moral code that you think is superior. Don't turn them up too loud, Tati. I hope today that you see the futility of coming up with your own rules. Also, I hope the hedonist has come to recognize that you've rejected Christ in loving your sin. There's no two ways around it. And I hope that um, your heart will be fresh to the conviction of Holy Spirit for sin. I hope that you can see that Jesus Christ did die for you and that He loves you and He wants you to turn. And uh, finally, Christian, friend, I want to pray that the yoke of slavery comes off of you. That you would not serve false gods any longer. It's my heart that you would hear Jesus say again in Matthew 25, I'm going to put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your Master. And many of you, your joy has absolutely been stolen by religion and sin. And uh, I'm not going to welcome you forward this morning uh, but I am, I, I, I do invite you to pray with me. I do invite you to pray with me. And I pray that God would do a fresh work in your heart and that He would be close to you this morning. Let's pray. Father, Father, we just really love you this morning. We love you this morning, Jesus. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that your Holy Spirit would be so very close and, 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 and so very close to the tender heart that you're knocking on right now. Lord, that your spirit would soften hearts. That we would not have to protect ourselves from you and your love. Father, I pray for trust that you really do have good plans. And I pray for faith that it's really as simple as I laid it out. That they would see it's just as simple as I said it. What you're experiencing right now is conviction that you need a Savior. That your sin is as awful as you thought it was and it needs to be washed clean. And only the blood of Jesus can do that. That sacrifice 2,000 years ago. And today, if you make the decision to quit relying on your own definitions of righteousness and you receive God's, you allow Him to write that for you, that you've been convinced by convincing proof through the text and by what the Spirit is doing in your heart right now, you don't have to agree with me, but I want you to agree with the Scriptures. That God saves people who turn from themselves. And He gives them more life than they ever could have had on their own. So Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that You would lift burdens. And that You would lift, like we read about in Galatians, in those eyes that can't see. That You would give. I'm asking right now for the miracle of the ability to see the truth of Your Gospel, Lord. And that people would know they're not, they're not promised tomorrow. but we're to follow you while it's still today. I feel so very strongly right now God is knocking on somebody's heart. And I'm not going to call you out. I don't want to single you out. This is between you and God. It's got nothing to do with me. It's between you and God. But I just see it. I feel the heaviness in your heart right now. And that is Jesus. His Spirit is right now cheering you on to make a wise choice. Everyone stand with me if you would. I want to pray for you before we go.
I'm going to pray a prayer and I just let this be your prayer. If you want to come back to God or you want to come with God for the first time, follow God. If you pray this for the first time, I really want to welcome you to come up and talk to one of our prayer people. But if, you know, if you're not ready for that, do it next week. But uh, I want to pray for you. We have a baptism coming up in a couple of weeks. And for many of you, I believe that's when you're going to come public with your faith in Jesus Christ. You let the world know, I'm a Christ follower now. So Father, we just, we love you. And I just, we, we find ourselves in these two, these two paradigms. This trying to just set the rules all the time and just being angry because people aren't keeping our rules. We thought we were following your rules, but they were our rules. And so we ask you to forgive us today, Lord. Help us for a moral code for ourselves and we'll let other people get their own moral code from you. They don't need it from us. We repent today of trying to, trying to define our own righteousness. We've done things wrong and I thank you that Jesus paid the price for that. I wish he didn't have to, but I thank you that he did. And Father, for those of us who just find ourselves in sin, and we just bought into the lie that our sin isn't that big a deal. We just bought into the lie that it's just not a big deal to sin. We've been forgiven so many times, we just take it for granted. Forgive us, Jesus. Again, I thank you that Jesus died as the penalty. I wish he didn't have to, but I'm thankful he did it for me. I pray that you would wash me clean today. I believe, I believe, like you say in the Bible, that Jesus came from a virgin. He never sinned. What a mystery. And that He was murdered on my behalf. And on the third day, He came back from the dead. And He went up into heaven and He's praying for me right now. And one day He's coming back. I believe that today. I don't know how that became real to me, but I believe it. And for those of us who believed it a long time ago, I confess it all over again today. It's new for me today. And I see how it affects my life. And I receive your gospel and I want it to be alive in me today, Jesus. I thank you that you're a forgiving God. And I pray right now, Father, over every person in this room that you would send Holy Spirit and you would fill them with power to be a witness for you. And that they would let the moralists know that there is a living God. They don't need to come up with their own moral code. And Father, they would tell the hedonists, you don't have to find pleasure in things, that there is pleasure found in Christ. That they would bring them. They would bring them. They would bring them. They would bring them. Father, we love you. We thank you today. We pray for divine appointments with people who need to hear this truth and this gospel. We pray this in all your name, Jesus. And everybody said, amen. We give a clap off for the Lord, please.